This is Shine On, the Health and Happiness Show, and Ella's Leash Production. Heard as a podcast around the world, but heard first on radio stations 100.7 WHUD-FM and Real Country 920, 1260, and 1420 AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Shine On, bringing you healers and dreamers and people who want to make life richer. It's your time to shine on. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you for shining on today. We have one of the world's leading Reiki and meditation teachers, Franz Stina, with us today. He's written The Japanese Art of Reiki and The Inner Heart of Reiki, among others. And I have to tell you about the most extraordinary thing that happened when I saw him speak last month at Mariendale in Ossining. We were in a large room, chairs in a circle, a few more than 40 people in the circle. So we took up the whole room. Franz, after talking to us about the precepts of Reiki gave us some Reiki energy in a way that I still can't stop thinking about. He simply got quiet and he stood still in the center of the circle. We were all equally about six to eight feet away from him. And he stood there and his shoulders rounded a bit. And the energy that poured off him was palpable. We all felt a warmth just rolling over us. I felt it touch me and one woman even yelled out, how did you do that? I can feel that all the way over here, woo! Woo indeed. Well, Franz says that's a practice that he teaches in his third level Reiki classes, but it is still quite the mystery to me. I asked Franz to join us today, he's back home in Holland, and talk about what's at the core of Reiki and what's at the core of the boundless, youthful energy that he carries like a kid in his tall and nimble frame. He says, love is your essence, happiness and joy, that's a practice. The ancient precepts of Reiki are a handful of simple sentences that you embrace anew every day or every moment to stay in a positive place. Do not anger, do not worry, be grateful, be true to your way and your being and show compassion to yourself and others and slowly trying to implement that in your daily life. The do not worry one, I have your words in my head all the time. I'll start to worry and I'll say, Franz says, don't worry. (laughs) How do we detach from that? Yeah, I mean, that's the hardest part. I mean, I think this is with any kind of practice, you know, how do we play the violin or how do we learn to cook or how do we learn how to ski, for example, is through really practicing and practicing. And, you know, one of the things what is really necessary in all of these methods is to calm our mind and to learn how to rest our minds in an open, spacious way so that we don't get distracted by worry. For example, worry is really about the future, but who knows what might happen? The future is in a way unpredictable. I might drop dead tomorrow or tonight. I mean, it sounds harsh, but I had a friend call me the other day and his best friend who was 48, he was just walking in the street, had a heart attack and died. Mm. And, you know, like, so he might have worried about next week or next year and actually it doesn't take us anywhere so it's really about being in a present moment you know and therefore really enjoying what you're doing right now so among the precepts of reiki uh, do not anger do not worry be grateful be true to your way and nature how did you say that exactly 
Uh, be true to your way and your being. What does that mean? What is my way and my being? Well, that's you're asking the right question because often we don't know our way, right? And often we're so far removed from our being, our beingness, that we feel lost. You know, I think so many people now feel lost, lost in family or lost in life, lost at work, they don't know where to go, what to do. So it's really also about finding what is your way. You know, some people might, their way might be an artist or a piano player or a chef or a gardener or a politician. And, you know, that, that's something we have to find. And that way is also changeable because for maybe a long period of time, I might be a chef and then I go like, you know what? Yeah. I can't be bothered anymore. I want to be, or I'm going to do something else. And so therefore then that be true to your way is very changeable. Mm, okay, that, true that makes our, me feel better. <laughs> yeah, and between way to our being is be true to your essence. And what is that essence is love and compassion and kindness and openness. So we we always have to marry that those two. So even if I'm true to my way, if I'm true to being a pianist, then... At the same time, if I infuse it with true to my being, my essence, that love and compassion, then I can play piano loving and compassionately. Or, but if I only say be true to my way and I don't add in the essence, so that loving kindness and openness, then my playing becomes maybe a little bit uh, egocentric, for example, or arrogant. Or So do you believe every human has love and compassion and kindness as their essence? Yes, I do, actually. But, uh, you know, they did some studies. It's a beautiful book, and I can't remember the name. It was a book by the Dalai Lama and his translator. I forgot his name. And it was about uh, compassion and joy in life. And they did studies on little babies. And they realized that these little babies, 99.9%, all had inherent compassion and kindness. They were all sharing their toys. But then, you know... We grow up and I say, no, that's your toy. That's not your sister's toy. And then we, you know, you keep playing with your toy and your sister keep playing with your, with their toy. And now we start to have this division. And slowly, they said, when these kids reach like four or five years old, they start to be less compassionate due to the way we bring them up preschool and they learn competition oh no but that kid is better they get a star today because they've been good yeah, but i've been good no they've been good today they've been especially good <laughs> hmm. yeah so if we are born with love compassion and kindness inside of us yeah oh we've got a lot of the planet disconnected from their true essence right now don't you think Oh, absolutely. I think this is, this is you know, we talk about healing or, you know, peace. And, and that all, for me, comes really back to not really uh, tapping into that essence that we feel so disconnected. Like, for example, we say we're going to walk in nature, but actually we are nature. Or I see it a lot in my meditation classes where people go like, oh, I feel I'm coming home again. And, you know, in home, home in their self, in their own body, in their own interconnectedness space. Beautiful. All right. So the Reiki precepts, don't anger, don't worry, be grateful, be true to your nature and way. Is that the whole package? 
And then uh, show compassion to yourself and others. Show compassion to yourself and others. That Reiki way is beautiful, and, and you can tell us a little bit about the history. Who first wrote down these precepts? Well, it uh, goes back to a Japanese gentleman called Mikusui, and it was in the late 1800s, beginning 1900s in Japan. And what is really interesting, actually, to note is that Japan had been closed for 200 years for, to foreigners. Uh, a couple of Portuguese people were allowed in, the Dutch were allowed in, but the rest was really closed. And suddenly, the emperor at that time said, let's open it up to the whole world. And some people started to rebel against it, some in a physical way, and some more say, let's go back to the more spiritual values and, and find that kindness and compassion. And the, the founder of Mikasu was one of these people uh, who started to make Japanese esoteric teachings simpler and more accessible to like a lay person, someone mm-hmm. who was working on a field or a baker, so you didn't have to be a nun or a, or a monk to be able to benefit. Right. Now, how did you come across this and, and realize that it was your nature and way? <laughs> yeah, that is a good question. Actually, someone asked me the other day, he said, Franz, you've been teaching now for 20, 22 years uh, internationally, and so you were probably doing that till you're 70. And I said, well, maybe not. And he go, what? I said, well, if, if I feel it's not my way anymore, then I might start to work at Whole Foods. I don't know, you know, so... <laughs> They, they were quite surprised that I said that. And I said, but if, if I don't get the joy out of it anymore, then I need to do something else. And right. I said, yeah, but are your students? And I said, well, if I don't teach joyfully anymore, then I'm actually doing my teachers or my, and my students a disservice. Right. And uh, so, yeah, it came into my being when I was uh, 30, actually. And uh, I, I suffered a lot from uh, back problems since I was 16. And due to that, I started to drink a lot, hopefully to soften the pain of my back issues. And that, of course, then triggered also emotional issues. So by 30, I was a little bit of a physical, emotional wreck. And uh, I remember laying in bed and I go like, man, I, I got difficulty just standing up and doing things. I have to do something for myself. And the next day I got up and started to look at different therapies because the doctors always just said, well, we can't do anything about it. Just take painkillers and physiotherapy and, you know, we'll only get worse when you grow older. Hmm. <laughs> and uh, I'm 52 years now, and I-, I feel physically better and healthier. I feel emotionally uh, healthier and better than I would say 28. Wow. How many hours a day do you practice? Oh, now that's a good one. I have my own kind of meditation practice. I try to do as much as possible, but I mainly kind of a minimum 45 minutes a day. And then I'm very lucky that I kind of don't like to use it work, but I, I practice in this field. So I teach people meditation. So, for example, the last three weeks I've been kind of teaching full time about eight hours a day. You know, therefore, yeah, it's really about stimulating that within yourself. So in a way, I'm lucky that it is also my job. Yeah, very lucky. We're talking to Franz Stina, who is an international Reiki teacher and meditation teacher. I had the pleasure of meeting him at Mariendale in Ossining oh, about a month back. And you're coming back next August for a full four-day session, right? Yeah, I love that place. And it's, uh, it's beautiful. It's not too far away from New York. And I like doing retreats because then for four days you can really emerge yourself into the practice you know the first day people come and they're a little bit they still carry a bit their stresses and discomfort from daily lives by day two we can go deeper by three four 
it's really almost like a, a cooking pot. We're slowly cooking and stewing and boiling and stirring up so that we can hopefully, you know, tap back into that essence again, into your light. I am looking forward to that. I'm definitely going to be there. Help us, if you don't mind, think of this as a classroom right now, and how could you instruct us or guide us to lifting our energy to a, to a happier place? It's, I would say, it's easy and yet it's difficult. So if we would stand up, then the center of your body is just below your belly button. You know, if you would say pinpointed just below your belly button, above your pubic bone, and that's your center. And often we say, oh, I'm feeling off-centered, or I'm not really centered today. Means we're all over the place. So uh, doing breathing exercises into that center, deep breathing exercises, maybe 10 minutes, or start with five minutes, or even putting your hands on that center to help you to ground yourself. We're so in our head nowadays, particularly with the phones, instant messages, we're constantly looking if we've been liked or not liked, if someone replied on Facebook or on Instagram, and it's just going crazier and crazier. So we're so in our head, but then by actually really focusing on that space, bringing that energy and your busy mind more into your physical body, that really helps to uh, take the edge off already. Does Reiki energy come from outside us or inside us? <laughs> you are good. Um, I, I would say both. Okay. Uh, so, so it's uh, traditionally Reiki stands for the universal energy, or we could say spiritual energy. It, it's the energy what exists in all of us, outside and inside. However, it's a little bit like a, a chicken. You know, when a chicken, a little baby chick, hatches, it needs to hatch from the inside out. If you open the egg from the outside, then the little chick dies. So. Uh, to be able to realize that it's inside and outside, we first have to go really within. Okay, so first you go within, you find it there, and then you can find it other places. Yeah, yeah. it's like I'm drinking a cup of tea at the moment, and I cannot give you tea if I don't have tea, or I would say, you know, I can't show you compassion if I don't find that compassion within myself. Gotcha. So people who aren't attuned to Reiki, who haven't gone through the classes or had an, an attunement, can they still access Reiki energy? Of course. For me, I see it as something we all have. It's, it's, uh, within the Japanese system of Reiki, it's called the bright light, and it's your innate bright light, your innate luminosity. But often we uh, put these layers over these lights, you know, like lampshades of anger or worry or fear, we might say to ourselves, oh, I can't do that, I'm not good enough, etc., etc. And suddenly we say, oh, where is my light? I lost it. Mm. But so we all have it already. And, uh, you know, I think this is when you see kids fall over and, and a mom who's that loving, kind mom goes to the kids and put their hands on the knee, for example, and it's already healing. Or we give someone a hug when they feel sad and it's already healing. So it's, it's kind of the basis of that, but then we can always go deeper. We can peel more layers away so that our light becomes more luminous. Okay. Franz, Stina, our guest, we're talking about happiness. We're talking about Reiki. I know you have a couple of books on the subject. For beginners, where would we start? I would start with uh, the Japanese art of Reiki or uh, the inner heart of Reiki. And, and how would we prepare ourselves to approach this new learning? 
I think it's with anything. Uh, in Japanese, they have something what is called beginner's mind. And when, we, when we're still young, I see that young kids, I've got a friend who's got some young kids, and, and we go there some, sometimes and we go somewhere. They're just so full of wonder. They don't judge and label as often as we do as adults. And, and so everything is a, like at the beginning stages and everything is still open and excited. So I like that phrase in Japanese spiritual teachings, beginner's mind. You know, sometimes when we've done things again and again and again, we become a little bit rusty. You know, we come, oh, I know it all. I, I don't need to hear this again. But when we come from a viewpoint from beginner's mind, then everything is fresh. Right. So we have to keep taking ourselves back to beginner's mind and not strive to be the expert. Yeah, and I think this is in life too, you know. Sometimes we all know at the beginning of a relationship, we feel in love, we feel excited, we feel passion and intimacy, and then we get used to it. And then five years later or 20 years later, we go, man, it's a bit boring. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and therefore, if, if in couples also, we can go back to the beginner's mind, let go of the hurts and the past things, what you created together, then we can go back to that flame again. Yeah. And so it's not just in Reiki, but I think it's just in daily life. Franz, you have a very positive way about you. You you, you vibrate at a very high frequency. Are your friends just like you? <laughs> My friends? Um, not always. I mean, you know, it, I think it's... Uh, I think this is the beauty when we feel that we're really in that positive light. You know, I see it a bit like this. If you're, uh, it's a dark night and uh, there's a mountain and on the mountaintop there is a fire. And so people can see that fire and they go like, wow, I wonder what's happening there. And they're attracted to this fire. And they go and sit there and they feel comfortable. Some people go close to the fire. Some people are a little bit further off the fire, depending on, you know, how they feel. And I think it's like this, when we feel more luminous, then, of course, we attract more people who say, oh, I see, you know, it's kind of really light and open and enjoying life. How do you do that? You know, I might be in a cafe and I go like, oh, you know, maybe you can do it this way or that way. So I've got some friends who are not always, um, my sister, for example, sorry, sis. (laughs) (laughs) She sees things from a very, uh, if you would say, some people see the life from positive side or negative side. She always tries to look at the negative things. And, uh, but it's wonderful to be in her presence because then we can both learn from each other. And I go like, wow, I do this sometimes too, but actually it doesn't feel good. So I better turn it around if I do it again, if I feel a little bit negative. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. I do. I do. Franz Stina, our guest, we are welcoming you back to New York uh, in August of 2020 for a four-day retreat at Dale in Ossining. It's going to fill up long before you even pack your bags. Uh, (laughs) What are your final thoughts for the people listening today? Yeah, I would just really say, you know, don't be so tense. I feel we're so tense at the moment. You know, loosen up, relax a little bit, take a deep breath in and say, okay, it's a shitty world sometimes out there, but I'm still alive. I still, I lived in India for two years, traveled the world, and I go, man, we're so lucky still. You know, in in America, for example, we can still have a cup of tea. We still have a roof for most people above our head. We can still open a tap and water comes out. And I think, man, we're so lucky. And yet we seem to complain about all of this stuff. So yeah, take a deep breath, enjoy, laugh, play. Yeah, and, and let that light shine. And let that light shine.
Franz Stina, S-T-I-E-N-E. He will be at Mariondale in Ossining, August 2020, for a four-day retreat. I hope to be there. Do not anger. Do not worry. Be grateful. Be true to your way and nature. Your way is changeable. Your nature is love. Show compassion to yourself and others. That is the Reiki way. You have the energy in you. You have the energy in you. And you can also invite it in to your life anywhere you are. Franstina, thank you. Well, I invite you to join me at Mariondale for Reiki and more July 26th through the 28th. I'm calling it a spiritual weekend vacation. We're going to have a lot of fun and a lot of joy and a lot of ease. Join me. Get details at casey.co, K-A-C-E-Y dot C-O. Shine On is brought to you by CBD Live Natural in Bedford Hills, the Westchester and the Stamford Town Center. Everything you need to know about CBD oil is there and also at CBDLiveNatural.com. Food, drink, and living your dreams next. At CBD Live Natural, their goal is to bring their customers the best all-natural products. There is a solution to change your quality of life that will help you live naturally without prescription drugs, which means you'll feel your best. CBD aids with health issues from fibromyalgia to anxiety, joint pain and eczema, acne, and so much more. The staff at CBD Live Natural really know their products, which helps them determine what's best for you, from oils and lotions and creams to candles, edibles, and even pet products. At CBD Live Natural, they don't just sell the products, they're consumers just like you. So you can trust them to recommend the best all-natural products to help you live natural and feel great doing it. CBD Live Natural stores can be found in Bedford Hills, the Westchester Mall in White Plains, and the Stanford Town Center in Stanford, Connecticut. Or you could shop online at their website anytime. CBDLiveNatural.com Hi, it's Casey. Thank you for shining on today. Mary Giuliani is a party and lifestyle expert who splits her time between Woodstock and New York City. Her story is a great one, and she tells it in little essays in her book, Tiny Hot Dogs. I grew up in a very Italian family. We were the kind of Italians that cooked all day on Saturday for Sunday. I had my grandparents that lived in my basement that also helped cook. So I lived this very rich life in that I was surrounded by all generations. And food wasn't a fad back then. Food was life in my family. And food is where, by cooking and being around my family cooking, that's where I learned my most important life lessons. I would come home from school and my mom would always be cooking in the kitchen and I would, you know, uh, sit myself at the kitchen island, start my homework, and then while cooking, she would just start to impart life wisdom. And some of the things that she taught me were, one of the things I talk about in the book is she always said, always save two meatballs outside the sauce for someone you love. Which means when you're frying the meatballs to put them in the Sunday sauce, she always used to leave two meatballs out on a little dish outside for my father. So when he came home from work on Saturdays, these two meatballs would were for him. So it's always save them for the one you love. So that was one lesson. Oh, that's so beautiful. And she said <laughs> she believes he married her because of her basil? Yes, she said a man is attracted to the basil smell, so use it in everything. And I, when I asked her, do you think that's why Dad married you, Mom, because you smelled like basil? And she confidently said, yes, Mary, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Tiny Hot Dogs is the book, a memoir in small bites. Mary Giuliani is our guest. What a wonderful, wonderful way to grow up. They must have been so happy with your career choice. Well, they were confused. 
confused by it because, you know, I went to, I, I, it, I didn't ever set out to be in the food world or the culinary world, even though it was such a part of my life. I went to Georgetown University. I was an English major and a theater minor. And when I finally got that degree, I came home and I said, Mom, Dad, I'm going to be an actor. And I moved to New York and I pounded the pavement and had door after door slammed in my face. Uh, you know, auditions, you know, I tried out for James Lipton for the actor studio, did not get in. And I just ended up taking a job in a, in a catering office just to pay the bills in between auditions. And it took all about a month for me to be in that office where I realized, hey, wait, maybe this is actually my dream. I didn't even, you know, something I wasn't wishing for. Um, but catering um, combined theatrics and food and gathering and hospitality. And I was good at it. I was good at it in a way that I don't think I was good at acting. <laughs> and, um, you know, very quickly I traded in one dream, one dream for another. And what a funny thing that ended up happening was all of my dreams kind of did come true. Via, you know, me following a silver tray of hot dogs through parties, I did end up being around some of the most creative and interesting people in the world. So, you know, careful what you wish for. <laughs> exactly. And when you are catering, you are the star of the show, you know? You're, yeah. It's just a different kind of show. So good for you. It, now, uh, you. those, I don't know if those years in college uh, helped you, but you do have a great hangover recipe. I do, I do. Um, most of, this is years of tested recipes. I've been doing research on this on this topic for years. <laughs> for me, I write in the book that the number one cure is just a little bit of club soda with bitters, two dashes of bitters, and a glass of club soda the next morning. It, it really, it really will help you. All right, I'm going to write that down. Now, tell people. I don't know if they'll believe you, but what your big dream is for the future one day? Having worked in such a frantic life of catering and never having set hours or anything like that, my one dream is to someday move to a very small town, think on Golden Pond, and with and I want to just have a tiny flower shop in the front. During the day, I sell flowers, and at night, there's a tiny 10-seat bar in the back, flowers in the front, bar in the back. I would like to call it Peonies and Palomas, and it has an open and closed sign on the front. When I'm there, I'm there. When I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> Keep <laughs> writing. Mary Giuliani, where do Thank we go for more information? MaryGiuliani.com. If you'd like a copy of her memoir, Tiny Hot Dogs, email me from the website, Casey.co, K-A-C-E-Y.co. Our thought for the day is something I saw painted on a piece of wood in the housewares department at Target, and it said, Don't quit your daydream. Shine on. You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show for your entertainment only. Heard Sunday mornings on 100.7 WHUD and on Real Country's 920, 1260, and 1420 AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Subscribe to Shine On on iTunes and SoundCloud and catch a show anytime at Casey.co. That's K-A-C-E-Y dot C-O. Shine On.